Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. From the blackest corners of your mind, they call, pulling you deep into shadow, twisting your senses, keeping you from sleep. It's time to face your darkest fears. This is Tales to Terrify. Good evening, children of the night, and welcome to another flashback. Tonight we've got something a little softer for you. A story that comes to us all the way from November 2013. A heartbreaking tale that explores the agony of loss, the torment of hope, and the endless pull of the sea. Children of the night, join me. For L. R. Bonehill's Whispers of the Sea, which originally aired on Tales to Terrify, episode 96. A grim veneer of dust was the only testament to the fact that the house had stood empty for so long. It lay like memories on every surface, gathered in every corner, hid in every dark recess. Yet it wasn't the first thing to strike Michael as he opened the door and stepped into the small lobby. It was the complete sense of absence that shocked him and held him motionless for a while as the door swung back into its frame with a dull thud. He tossed his bags down beside the empty coat stand and caught his reflection in the gray surface of the mirror, saw how haggard it was, his face drawn and sallow, 
his corn silk hair beginning to turn gray at the temples. Turning away quickly, shuffling the keys from hand to hand nervously, he began to make his way through the house, opening doors and windows as he went. This undeniable sense of absence grew as he went from room to room, as if he were moving in a void, where nothing dared to stir, and in doing so himself he was violating some long unwritten rule. He felt uneasy in his own house. Sadness and quiet desperation followed him like a shadow at his feet. He paused in the study, looking down at the view beyond the French windows and touched a hand to the cold glass. Dull light glinting off a photograph frame on the desk beside him flickered in the corner of his eye. He pulled away from the windows and turned the frame towards him, smiling in return to the three faces that grinned out at him. The manuscript, along with a folder containing notes and sketches, still lay on the desk in a small, neat pile, untouched like everything else here for so long. It was pinned down by a short length of driftwood, stark against the white pages, its timber dark, its edges splintered and ragged. He picked it up, turned it in his hand, and in the twists and bends of its knots he saw the shadow of a little girl bending down beside a rock pool. Off to one side of the house, where the land sloped gently down to its lowest point above the beach, a short pathway led to a flight of steps cut into the rock that twisted down to the shingle below, an iron handrail guarding the way. At the top of the steps, Michael lifted Rachel against his shoulder. The wind picked up a little as they descended, making Rachel cling tightly to him, and Gina urge him to watch his step. Once safely down, he held Rachel with one arm and tried to take her shoes off with the other, while she struggled against him, eager to explore. Down, Daddy, down, she kept saying, making it more difficult for him to ease her shoes off as she kicked her legs about. At last he set her down and watched her wiggle those small feet in the sand. He smiled to himself at such a simple, unexpected pleasure as the sand rose between her toes, a squash down and rose again sand spilling onto the rise of her foot. She squatted down on her haunches, feeling the dry grains of sand at her feet, brushing them away, before pressing her hand against the ground and sweeping it in a wide arc around her. She let out a short giggle, sweeping the ground again, leaving small ridges of sand to mark her path. She did this a number of times, pushing her hand back and forth, forcing it deeper each time to create larger ridges, before switching hands and repeating the process to her left. She pivoted around, holding Gina's leg for support, her tiny feet shuffling and again swept first right then left, enclosing herself in a circle. There, she said eventually, satisfied that her work was done. You can't reach me now, Daddy, can you? She sat proud in her circle, arms raised above her head, pigtails and red ribbons caught and twisting in the wind. Gina bent down to her. You like the sand, sweetie? Isn't it wonderful? She asked. They played there together a while, Gina letting the sand fall from her hand down onto Rachel's in a steady flow. Can you feel all those tiny grains slipping through your fingers? There are hundreds of them, thousands. Thousands? Rachel repeated gravely. Thousands, said Gina, taking another handful and pouring it on the small upturned palm. Here, thousands more, and all along the beach there's more and more. More sand, shells. Pebbles, little tiny creatures, all sorts of lovely things. Shall we go and explore? Would you like that? Rachel nodded her head emphatically and allowed her mother to brush the sand from her hands and feet, dust a few grains from her cheeks. Then she was off, 
anxious to discover the secrets this place held for herself, Gina yelling out for her to be careful. Michael looked out to the sea as it rolled against the shore, and in that moment wished more than anything else that Rachel could share the joy of seeing the ocean and the sand, the ragged cliffs above. His face must have betrayed this line of thought. Gina read it there intuitively. She took his hand, clasping it firmly. You know, she said, she can experience and appreciate this in all sorts of ways of that we can't even begin to conceive. Close your eyes for just a minute and smell the salt of the sea. Feel the wind in your hair, the sand under your feet, and imagine what it all must be like for her. She closed her own eyes for a moment, breathing deeply of the fresh sea air. It must be extraordinary, Michael, and that's a wonderful thing, surely. You saw her just now. She was enthralled, enchanted. That will stay with her forever. She'll always remember this as some sort of magical time and place. That's nothing to feel sad about. He touched her arm lightly, nodded, and returned his gaze to the ocean. She smiled and gave his hand a final squeeze before setting off down the beach after Rachel. He stayed at the edge of the shore, content to watch them for a while as they walked hand in hand along the beach, pausing here and there to examine a new find, or to crouch in the sand again, mother and daughter happy and at peace. He stood thinking of what Gina had said and hoped that she was right, yet somehow it seemed more than he dared wish for. He turned her words over and over in his mind. For some time he was aware of nothing else, lost in the wanderings of his imagination and the sound of the sea, until he heard a small and distant voice shouting out to him. He could make out Gina beckoning to him and Rachel kneeling beside her, holding something in her hand and waving it in his direction, breaking his chain of thought, leaving it to rattle away at the back of his mind where it would expand and grow or fade into nothing. He followed the trail of their footsteps across the sand. They were waiting at a rock pool, Rachel neatly balanced at its edge, steadied by a protective hand at her shoulder. Her fingers played in the shallow water which splashed and rippled at her touch, while her other hand triumphantly held aloft a small piece of driftwood. Look, Daddy, Mummy said you'd tell me a story about where it came from. She said it's from a ship. Her voice was hushed and low with quiet awe. He took it from her, turning it in his hand. If it is, it's from a lost ship and there's always a good story in that. I'll tell you about it later at bedtime. How's that sound? He asked, handing it back. He stroked her head, feeling the softness of her golden hair. So, do you like it here, sweetie? Do you think you'll like living by the sea for a while? She nodded her head three times in quick succession, still playing with the driftwood in her hand, splashing it into the rock pool. We're at the end of the world, aren't we, Daddy? she said, turning her face towards the sea. He set the driftwood down and felt the emptiness inside him like a raw wound. Twilight gray filled the room as the cold October wind swept around the house accompanied by the rising, clattering music of the chime outside. Despite the gale, he could still hear the lap of the sea as it bumped at the shore, the silver crests of the waves splashing down, and he felt suddenly so alone. He went to the window, hoping to make out the lights of the harbor town in the distance. All he could see were the silhouettes of the cliffs that spanned the coastline, dark and heavy and ancient. The drinks cabinet in the lounge was still fairly well stocked, and he retrieved a tumbler and bottle of Jack Daniels. He felt distinctly ill at ease as he went from room to room. The house now seemed so large and vacant that he felt he was disturbing some sort of balance simply by being there. He imagined shadows in dark corners reaching out to him and a naked whisper breathe against his ear as he crossed the hallway back into the study. 
He closed the curtains, shutting out the darkness of the night and the sea, flicked on the lamps in the corners of the room, and poured himself a liberal measure of bourbon. Its warmth and fire cleansed his throat of the taste of emptiness and dust. He shot back another, letting it drown out the rush of the wind and the sweep of the sea. Then he sat in the stony silence and stillness and wept, until falling into a fitful sleep where he found troubled dreams of dust and decay. Sitting down at the desk, hangover beating steadily in his head, he retrieved the folder beside the manuscript, easing out its contents with care. He glanced through the pages of notes, surrounded by swirling doodles, underscored in thick marker, highlighted, asterisked. They would appear senseless and haphazard to anyone else, but all the thought and meaning came back to him immediately. Words and sketches that told the story of a blind girl who saw magical things in her dreams that no one else could possibly imagine. A little girl who saw wondrous places and entrancing visions of such splendor and magic that even had others seen them too, they would never have let themselves believe that such hope and beauty could exist. He skimmed through the sheaf of papers as it all sped back into his mind, the final words he had written, telling of how the little blind girl had become more and more enchanted with her own magical world, that she had finally been swept away to those places forever by the waves of a whispering sea. It seemed like only hours ago that he had sat here, pen in hand, words flowing and halting, yet it was a distance that could never be bridged, a lifetime ago, a world ago. The summer was unusually long and warm. Even the wind breezing in from the ocean was cool and calm. The days went by quickly and peacefully, a time of simple and easy joy. What Gina had said at the beach that first day had indeed rattled away inside Michael's head, where it slowly twisted and turned. It was always there, whispering to him, edging ever forward to take on shape and form, a voice that soothed and troubled in the same moment. He sat at the desk and stared out to sea, watching it lap and hiss at the shore. Through the door opening onto the hallway, he could see Gina sitting in the lounge, a glass of red wine in her hand. Quiet music drifted in from across the hallway. She raised her glass and smiled, her eyes bright and shining in the light cast by the lamps. As the piece ended, she shut the stereo off and came across into the study, her nightshirt flapping at her legs. You really started something with that story of the missing ship and all that other mysteries of the scene nonsense you've been telling her, she said. You know she keeps that driftwood beside her bed ever since you told her it was magic. She's got a rich imagination, that's all. She understands the power that stories can have if you have a little belief, a little faith. He took his glasses off and wiped them on his sleeve, spinning out of silence. That driftwood, by the way, it is magic. Magic or not, I'm just glad that she's happy. Anyway, it's late. I think I'll go up, she said, draining the last of the wine. It lingered on her lips, glistening ruby in the pale light. Joining me? No, no, you carry on. I'll be there soon. It's just, there's something you want to finish, right? Right, he said. It's all beginning to come together. I just want to keep that momentum while it lasts, you know. Bending down, she hugged his shoulder and kissed him on the cheek. Don't be too long. It really is getting late. Gina, he said, stopping her in the shadows of the doorway. He slipped his glasses back onto the ridge of his nose, and she saw herself reflected there, tiny and shimmering. He pointed to the papers on the desk before him. This one's not just for Rachel. It's for all of us. I think it's going to be really special. I'm sure it will be, Mike. I'm sure it will, 
she said, smiling, and left. He finally set his pen aside an hour or so later and eaten the small pile of papers before him. Flicking off the lamps, he noticed his hand and fingers were smeared with black ink, like shadows of nicotine stains. Stairs creaked under his footsteps and he paused outside Rachel's room, thinking of checking in on her. Daddy? she asked from beyond the door, hearing his footsteps outside. He eased it open quietly and saw that the bed was empty, the covers ruffled and pushed to one side. Rachel sat by the window, her nightgown pale around her, the alabaster light of the sickle moon surrounding her like an oar, her face delicate ivory. Daddy, she said again, turning her face towards him. The dull pearls of her eyes were like a broken promise. Shush, he whispered, going over to her. Hey, you should be in bed. What's wrong, can't sleep? He bent down to her, felt her forehead and brushed at her hair. You not feeling well, sweetheart? She nodded her head, reaching out a hand to feel the comforting lines and contours of his face. Outside, the ocean thumped and splashed at the sand and shingle in a haunting lullaby. Tell me a story, Daddy. It's too late. You should have been asleep hours ago. Taking her hand, he led her back to bed and tucked the sheets over her, feeling her body small and fragile beneath. Ollie, her toy bunny, lay on the floor beside the bed. He bent down to retrieve him and placed him in Rachel's arms smoothing the sheet across his stuffed belly. I was asleep, Daddy, she said, yawning, her heavy lids dropping, her voice thick with tiredness. But it woke me up. What did, sweetheart? What woke you? The sea, Daddy, she said. It was whispering to me, telling me secrets. Summer fell away into autumn, and the first bite of cold wind swept in from the rippling ocean. Bruised clouds skimmed across a leaden sky, and a light shower of rain fell. Gina cut a lonely, wretched figure walking the length of the beach with weary steps, turning occasionally to glance behind her. She held a stuffed toy tightly to her chest with one hand, while the other scrabbled through her hair, tugging and pulling hard at the roots. From where Michael sat at the rock pool, the steady fall of the rain seemed to fog Gina, distort her somehow. Small, distant, and shimmering in the drizzle, he watched her as she followed the curve of the beach and disappeared behind an outcrop of glistening rocks. Her hoarse, ragged cry came back to him, answered only by the gulls wheeling in the sky and the rhythmic sweep of the sea. He hadn't the heart to join her, not again, nor had he the courage to look her in the eye. The desperation and numb panic he had seen there earlier chilled him like cold steel on fevered skin. Twilight soon began to taint the sky further, and the rain slowly abated as he followed the traces of Gina's footsteps along the dark sand, his pace slow and measured. He found her some distance up the beach, sitting crumpled in the shadows thrown by the looming cliffs above, her face and arms rested against her raised knees, shaking fingers rubbing at her forehead. Ollie lay by her side, face down in the sand, his white tail scuffed and dirty. She looked up only fractionally at Michael's approach, her eyes hooded and dark. He dropped down beside her, tentatively putting a hand to her shoulder. He pulled her close, held her, felt her brittle and trembling against him. They sat together a while, sat and waited. Rachel didn't come back, neither body nor soul. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The dream stirred him, legs and arms jolting, face twitching in the cold night. It held him loosely in sleep and made him walk. Down the stairs he followed, chasing the echoes of a lost little girl. The brightness of the red ribbons flowing from her pigtailed hair seared into his mind like a brand. Her delicate, haunting laughter let him down. The lilting strains of a lullaby came from the hush and whisper of the breakers slapping at the shore. It filled the house. Soft and low like a conch shell held to his ear. He saw her jump the last steps and hit the floorboards an eternity later. She twisted and turned in the narrow hallway, skipping through dust that rose at the passing of her feet to spin and dance in the air around her. It fell and settled with infinite precision before her other foot stepped down, fanning the dust and ash of a thousand memories behind her to choke and stifle him. She skipped and danced, turning, spinning, hair and ribbons sweeping with her, snapping through the air with a keening whistle. She smiled, her face ashen, skin blanched in the gray light like the gleam of the moon on a frozen lake. A midnight darkness pooled in her empty eye sockets, and she swept into the study, dust spiraling in her wake. The screen door at one corner of the room banged open and shut, slamming against the side of the house. The wind chime crashed and clattered, sun and moon and stars colliding, one against the other. Out he followed, to where the cliff dropped away into darkness. Dropping with it, he felt his head slam into the wet sand, where he thought it would sink and sink forever. He saw Rachel above him, intangible, incorporeal, a sweeping figure of dust and ash and sand. She bounced away towards the sea, skipping and singing, her voice soft and full against his ear like an intimate kiss. He stumbled after her, all the while reaching out, calling her name. Beyond her, he saw something rising and falling on the crests of the waves, something floating on the sea, something lap at the sand. A hundred sheets of paper drifted in the sea, words and symbols slipping together to create new forms and patterns. At the edge of the sea, she turned a final time, held him with an empty gaze that seemed to look deep inside him searching for his soul, his secrets. You can't reach me now, Daddy, she said, water dribbling from the pale scar of her lips. 
Then the wind took her, and moat by moat, it swept her out upon the rippling water. The sea stirred him, shook him from sleep as it washed over his feet, and he awoke cold and vulnerable into the darkest night he had ever known. The moon was slim in the sky and the stars were clouded, hidden from view. He felt himself shiver, his skin prickling and tight around his bones. Another wave splashed against him, before drawing back to leave a tangled knot of seaweed around his ankles. He bent down to pull it away. It felt smooth and shiny to the touch, like silk. He drew it up, held it in the moonlight, and saw a red ribbon draped against his palm. The tide whispered at the shore. The wind rushing over the ragged cliffs whispered. The sand shifting beneath his feet whispered, and it was more than he could bear. Over and over that secret whisper blew gently against his ear. Mummy, it said. He sat at the desk, huddled over his work, his fingers brushing the red silk ribbon that snaked across the surface. Its touch warmed him. The words flowed ceaselessly, ink looping and swirling quickly across the paper, the nib of the pen scratching and rasping, the hiss and slap of the rippling tide breathed into him like blood rushing in his ears. He listened willingly, openly, imposing no will of his own onto the words that fell before him, ripping from page to page as if in a fever. His discarded notes and sketches lay at the edge of the desk and scattered on the floor, an empty bottle of Jack Daniels and a cracked tumbler beside them. Eyes still down, he reached out his free hand, found another glass and dragged it to his lips. Bourbon burned down his throat. Another page was added to the unruly pile beside him as the sea whispered long into the dark night. Another and another, until finally the tale was told, and he set his pen down, exhausted and dry. The phone had been ringing for days and he'd ignored it every time, letting the message on the old answering machine kick in. He listened to Gina's voice from a distant past, asking for a name and number. The echoes of Rachel's faint giggling in the background of the recording caused a sharp tug of pain. It rang again and he stopped, turned, glass in hand as Gina's weary voice filled the room, underscored by the hiss of the spooling tape. Mike, Michael, please. Mike, answer the phone. We need to talk. This could be the last chance we have, Mike. It's not betrayal, Michael. I know that's how you see it, but it's not betrayal. It's not it's another child, Mike. Another chance, please. There was a long pause and the tape clicked into silence. The winter wind rushed outside and rain tapped hard at the window in sharp needles. His shadow was cast long and thin across the floor in the murky light of the lamps. It stretched along the wall and followed at his heels as he stepped out into the rain. The downpour lashed him, soaking his clothes and skin instantly. Buffeted by the surging wind, he walked to the edge of the cliff and stood looking out across the sea. The pages of the manuscript whipped and flapped in his grasp, as if eager to tell their tale and be free. The round skull of the moon above shone brightly, its light glittering on the undulating ocean, silver winking on the breakers. Mouthing a silent prayer, he threw the pages out into the night. They seemed to be held frozen in the moonlight for a brief moment, hanging in the star-filled sky before the wind took them. Page slipped from page, fluttering, scattering out, swept up on the writhing wind. It drifted them away, sent them out high above the sea, rising and falling like birds, dipping and wheeling, 
They rustled and flapped, twisting slowly out and down, out and down. The first hit the sea a little distance from the beach below, rising briefly on a tiny wave. Another page drifted down, and another, and another, until the dark midnight sea was awash with ink and paper. Its secrets and tales returned home. He watched a while longer as the ebb and flow of the tide pulled those pages away into its unknown depths. Then, the offering made, he turned back to the house where lights burned warmly and a small gray silhouette stood in waiting. Together, they listened to the sound of the sea. Jeweled stars sparkled in the black velvet sky as she led him down by a hand as gossamer and fragile as fine lace. Corn husk hair danced lightly around her, silk ribbons trailing behind, bright and red. Down the cliff steps they went, hand in hand, the ghost of a smile on both their faces. The sand was cool and dry beneath his feet as she led him across the beach. A rush of water lapped at his feet and ankles as they edged closer to the shore. Rachel, he whispered, looking down into her dust-mote face that shifted and swirled at the touch of the wind. Shush, she said quietly, holding a finger to her pale lips and shaking her head slowly, sorrowfully. She pulled her hand out of his. It felt like a cool breeze rippling through his fingers, and the sense of her warmth and touch remained. He traced the lines of his palm, feeling the echoes of that touch slip deep inside to warm and fill him. He looked at her a final time before taking a step into the water as it surged forward to meet him. Again and again and again he stepped out into the sea. Cold and dark it embraced him, the insistent pull tugging at him, ripping his feet from beneath him, dragging him out and down. He twisted in the water, catching sight of the shore and the ashen figure that stood there for a moment before the wind rose, and once again took it, swept it away. The sea pounded and slapped violently in his ears as he let the tide draw him away, a piece of driftwood riding the waves to magical places beyond dreams. Michael, she called, her voice small and lost in the deserted study. The feeble lamplight glowed off myriad cracked glasses and empty bottles. Shadowed papers lay scattered upon the floor. A note was pinned to the desk by a framed photograph of the three of them together, and happy. A scrawled, jittering hand read, Gina, have a little belief, a little faith. She called his name again, saw that the door that led out the back was open and tapping insistently against the side of the house. The chime clattered as she walked by, down towards the steps cut into the rock. The sea thumped and splashed at the sand below, and she saw a figure lying at the fringe of the beach, water lapping around it as the tide crept in and out. Down the steps she went, heart quickening, eyes never straying from the distant figure. She hit the sand at a run, crossing half the span of the beach quickly, her pace slowing as she neared the shore. An icy chill shook through her, left her still and breathless as the figure shifted, the soft susurration of the sea seemed to fill her in that moment. In the moonlight, the silver shadow curled at the edge of the beach shivered and twitched. It coughed, spluttered, shivered again, back arcing, and finally raised its head. Eyes bright and eager and alive held Gina trapped in their steady gaze. Corn husk hair shone in the light of the moon. Mommy, it said. 
That was L. R. Bonehill's Whispers of the Sea, as read by Nicole Doolin. If you'd like to hear more details on this story, or listen to it in context of the full episode, I've put a link to it in the show notes. And until next time, children of the night, stay safe, stay sane, and be kind to one another. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.